Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of EduMatch. I am super excited because today he today we have here with us Kevin Chavis, who is the president of um, Academics, Policy, and Schools for K-12, Inc. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here. So we're gonna, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Um, for those of you who don't know him, uh, Kevin is the president of Academics, Policy, and Schools for K-12, Inc., and a noted education reform leader and innovator with a well-chronicled track record of empowering families with education choice and driving change and opportunity for children of all backgrounds and circumstances. So he's worked to advance quality education programs around the nation, most notably as the Education Committee Chair of the Council of the District of Columbia, right in my backyard. Where Additionally, Kevin is an accomplished author. We love authors here at EduMatch, uh, having published four books, including Serving Our Children Charter Schools and the Reform of American Public Education, Voices of Determination, Children That Defy the Odds, and Building a Learning Culture in America, as well as his first novel, The Plan, a Political Thriller. He graduated from the Howard University School of Law, Go Bison, yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, same <laughs> here, same here. School of C over here, so. Okay, right. Yeah. And he was president of his graduating class. So again, uh, we welcome you and we're glad to hear from you. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and who or what inspired you to go into education? Well, I mean, first of all, did I did I generate that smile on your face or that's just how you roll? Because it's just, it's just introduced with such a smiling face. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. You know, it's easy when you talk to great people. So. Well, thank you so much. Well, I, I tell people that on my way to public service, Sarah, I found my passion. I was elected to present folks in Worcester, uh, Southeast and Northeast DC, uh, East Anacostia River. Uh, and, and when I got in office, my goal was just try to make sure, you know, our community got its fair share, goods and services. At the time we were fighting for a, a supermarket, a Safeway, and we wanted to make sure that whatever folks got on one side of the river, we got. But my whole trajectory changed when I visited Lorton, which was our prison at the time. You remember Lorton? I do. And, I live uh, like right down the street. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I visited the, the, the prison and I talked to our warden about uh, the educational opportunities for these young men who I saw, many of them were smart and had potential and they, you know, taking bad turns. And he said something that changed my, changed my life and my career. He said, we don't waste time and waste money on educational opportunities because 90% of these inmates are high school dropouts and most of them can't read. Uh, I started visiting our schools and talking to teachers and principals and, and I saw the disparity and I saw also how the lack of hope and opportunity, even in spite of your background where you grew up, it all could be made up for if you had a quality education. So at the time I started to embrace you know, what was going on in our schools. I embraced the charter school movement. Not just that, I embraced reform in DC public schools, uh, gave them more money than they asked for, and just began that journey. And, and over time, uh, as I became more steeped in education, Sarah, um, I also realized that, that uh, personalized learning is the wave of the future. When you look at what other countries are doing, as opposed to having their kids fit inside a designated system. They meet kids where they are and give them a diverse array of options and personalize their learning experience that, in a way that works for them. Uh, I became more uh, exposed and educated about uh, virtual learning with the advances in technologies. And, you know, after doing some advocacy work around the country, 
I started advising the folks at K-12, was on their board, and now, you know, I'm very happy and excited to be part of the team that's helping to introduce uh, America to the power associated with personalized learning and, and uh, virtual education, uh, and also uh, make sure that we, we do a better job of providing those services to the families we serve. All right. So I love that. I love that. So what are some of your passions in education and what drives you towards those passions? You already mentioned uh, a few of them, but um, but I'll ask you specifically. Yeah, well, uh, there's the thing I look for, Sarah, uh, is. It's whatever light is in the eyes of those kindergartners and those first and second and third graders that they, it stays there throughout their learning experience. And so what I'm looking for is to engender an inspired sense of learning for all of our children so that they all get excited about the prospect and potential associated with learning and growing and, and, and learning something every day. Uh, I'm, a com I'm a committed believer in lifelong learning. And it's just not about education, it's about the prospect of of kids finding their potential, meeting that potential, and then finding new challenges. And the other thing is, Sarah, I, I firmly believe that uh, today's children have opportunities that you know many generations dreamed of. With technology, um, you know, I really have this passion that we can maximize on the use of technology, employ things like artificial intelligence and and and, and virtual reality. Uh, and use that to make experiential learning real and, and live for kids, even if they're in their home or they're in a, in a brick and mortar classroom. It almost feels like that, they're, uh, that the biology lab is in a forest or in a field based on some of the technologies available to us. I want us to be able to let kids be exposed to a, a diverse array of uh, learning uh, potential uh, so that they can figure out what they like and then we can tap right into it. Um, I have a passion around the fact that each and every American school-aged child should have equal access to a quality education, irrespective of the background. And I don't think that accident of birth should dictate the future of a child. And uh, that's why I'm in this work. And that's why I feel that in this digital virtual learning environment, uh, there's an opportunity to uh, involve and engage far more children than in the confines of a brick and mortar classroom that can hold just 20 or 30 kids. Definitely technology opens up the door for us to connect our students, um, like you said, beyond the walls of our classroom. So to connect them to one another, to connect them to uh, to experts around the world, to to amplify their voices. You know, they they definitely have a lot to say, you know, and we need to be open to listening to them. So I, I agree that technology has been transformative. Um, well, technology when applied, you That's know, right. That's right. yeah. Yeah, it's, it can definitely be a transformative force in our classrooms. You are listening to EduMatch. The teacher's journey takes a deeper look at how we grow, learn, and succeed in the world of education. Throughout the book, you'll follow the journey of seven incredible educators that share their trials and triumphs as they walk along their own journey. The teacher's journey will challenge you to reflect on who you are and why you are in education while providing personal examples and practical tools to use right now. 
pairing with the book is the Teacher's Journey podcast. There you can hear great educators as they reflect upon their journey and share the lessons they have learned along the way. You can find more information about the book, the podcast, and lots more by visiting costellacorner.com, where you can also sign up for exclusive access to information, graphics, and educational training resources. Thank you for learning and growing with EduMatch. So could you tell us a little bit about K-12 Inc. and uh, the initiatives that you have to ensure student success? Well, K-12 is, uh, Inc. is the largest uh, education provider in the virtual education space. So we have a combination of uh, managed uh, public schools in which we have contractual relationships with school, district and, and school districts and, and, and uh, folks who hold charters in certain states. And then we will come in, we'll provide the teachers, we'll provide curriculum, we'll provide the back office support, we provide the marketing enrollment, we provide the government relations support, the whole thing to help get a school running. And what we do, uh, we have both the full-time virtual online uh, programs in which uh, kids will work with a learning coach, normally a parent or a guardian, uh, and we'll have teachers that teach, and, and we help train our learning coaches and, and get these kids in, involved in, in their full-time virtual uh, assignments. And then we also have the blended programs. By blended programs, that means that we have a relationship generally with a school district, but it could be with a nonprofit provider, like in our Arizona school, one of our blended programs with the Boys and Girls Club. So the kids will go to uh, that site, either the district school building or, as I said, for example, in Arizona, the, the Boys and Girls Club facility, they'll have their classes there, you know, two or three days a week. We'll provide the teachers, we'll provide the face-to-face -face instruction, and the other couple of days a week, it will be virtual uh, online classrooms where they'll have class connect sessions where teachers can group them according to where they are in the class uh, and have them participate through their computer. Uh, for a lot of folks, Sarah, you might imagine, uh, this can be scary. I mean, people don't know what they don't know. We're accustomed to that brick and mortar classroom experience. But what we found is uh, with our demographic of students, we have a lot of kids who just don't thrive well in the brick and mortar environment. Um, you know, candidly, we've got kids who, a uh, high number of special needs kids, we've got kids who've been bullied, we've got kids who, who you know, have safety challenges, uh, we've got kids who have medical challenges, uh, we've got kids who are highly trained athletes. Um, one of our, uh, you know, students in our Colorado school won the bronze medal in snowboarding in the Winter Olympics. So with this diverse array of students, uh, what we try to do and in, in what we're, you know, working to do better each day is to make sure that these kids have their educational needs met, even if they cannot necessarily thrive as much as we would like to see them thrive in the brick and mortar setting. At the same time, we're, we're endeavoring to make sure that the, their educational experience is motivating, stimulating, exciting, and inspiring. Because uh, what I have found and what some of our great teachers have demonstrated is you can have those kind of, of worthwhile experiences even in an online setting. 
Yeah, absolutely. So so that integration is key. And also, I love the flexibility that, that you mentioned. Um, you know, it seems like like your program can uh, can help students um, in, you know, in traditional schools as well as outside of uh, traditional schools. So that's that's really cool. OK, so let's shift gears to discuss performance in online schools. So what kind of challenges do you see that educators may face regarding this? Well, I tell you what, uh, this is new. Um, and um, for our schools in particular, and I think it's, saying, it's the same for many of the uh, uh, online providers around the country, uh, we get, most of our kids come to us uh, and they've been to other, in, in brick and mortar schools, they've been to other schools and uh, they're behind. So uh, I can tell you 11%, only 11% of our first time K-12 enrolled students are at proficient or proficient or at grade level. So uh, that means that the vast majority of our kids, they've been to more than one school, uh, they come in behind. And one of the biggest challenges is making sure that we meet them where they are. And, and as in, in, in doing that, uh, we really focus on our curriculum, making sure that it's adaptive. And by adaptive, I mean making sure that when kids log on and the teachers start to work with them, that, that these kids uh, don't get so intimidated because it assumes a certain level of proficiency and they get further frustrated. So we, we work on adaptive curriculum. And, and then the other thing we do, we're, we're really focused on, on making sure that it's engaging because, you know, we're, we're looking every day at, at, at the best ways to engage and inspire these kids. Um, and the other thing I would say, Sarah, uh, our challenges are, are further complicated by the fact that 65% of our students, uh, they live in an area where the only other option they have is is us. They may not have another charter school or an alternative program. So we really know that we have a special responsibility. But as a result, one of our challenges is that, you know, many of our kids are not going to be proficient after a year. Many of our kids come in and they are behind. So our focus is on growth, and we believe strongly in student-centered accountability so that we know where kids are when they come, we can assess them, and then we judge ourselves on making sure that they grow while they're with us. And the worst thing in the world is for kids to fall backwards. We want to see that there's growth with the goal being proficiency, but understanding that because of their special circumstances, some may not be as proficient as others. You are listening to EduMatch. Hi everybody, my name is Dr. Samantha Fesich and I'm the author of EduMagic. EduMagic, a guide for pre-service teachers, is geared towards teachers in training to become educators of excellence during their college career. Now, all the um, letters in EduMagic stand for something. E, educate and engage. D, digital presence. U, unite your PLN. M, megapixels. A, always be. G, get out. I, inconceivable. And co-op gone virtual. All these things come together to help create edgy magic. I can't wait to hear your response. Please share how you're learning and what great things you're doing in your classroom with hashtag edumagic on your social media. I look forward to hearing from you. Edge magic. It's edge magic. 
Thank you for learning and growing with EduMatch. I joined the company uh, in this role last November. And, uh, you know, the last several months in May and June, I went to many graduations. I think about nine or 10 graduations around the country. And uh, it was heart wrenching, uh, but inspiring to see some of these kids like the young man who was salutatorian at our school in Michigan who sat next to me. And he was assisted on the stage by a couple of the teachers. He had a medical challenge, could hardly walk. He was on crutches. And uh, as I was sitting there and they were about to call his name, I stood up along with one of his teachers to help him across the stage. And he said, no, I'm going to get this diploma on my own. And it took him quite a while, but he did not use those crutches. And he walked across the stage to get that diploma. And talking with his family, they said that he he never could have thrived, never did thrive in the brick and mortar program. He got in our school, he graduated, he was salutatorian in this class. And like the Muslim girl, graduated from our school in, in Nevada. And she talked about being bullied. And uh, she talked about the fact that, you know, every time there was some terrorist activity, people would give her a hard time and, and write things on her locker and call her names and beat her up. And she had dropped out of school until her mother saw this program about our program. She signed up and she was valedictorian of our class in Nevada. We've seen countless examples of, of these kids who are success stories because they found something they could believe in that helped them believe in themselves. And at the end of the day, I think that's what education should be about. Uh, and unfortunately, in today's world, uh, one size doesn't fit all. A lot of these kids won't thrive in these traditional environments. And I give these, share these stories because beyond, you know, the politics of the day, I think that our folks and frankly, your viewers and listeners uh, should, should, should very well appreciate the diverse challenges that many of these kids have. And, and oftentimes we, we, we take custody of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that that our viewers and our listeners, you know, they are passionate, dedicated educators. Um, but we always we always talk about, you know, the challenges and how to meet the needs of every child of each child. And, you know, the 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 stories that you're sharing right now, um, those are very, um, you know, they, they really give a glimmer of hope. Um, you know, for the, for the children who, who might traditionally fall through the cracks. So, uh, so very glad to hear those stories. So could you share with us any recommendations that you have for an updated, more informative model that accounts for what parents and educators think are important? Well, you know, I think um, that those of us who uh, are the decision makers, uh, those of us in my generation, generation after me that are driving these policies and uh, setting school budgets. Uh, we need to listen to well, what I would call the proverbial end user, these kids. Um, many of today's young people, uh, they're wired differently than, than some of the people who are setting the policy and running the schools that, that they think kids want to go to. Uh, you know, this technology has changed the game. Uh, many kids uh, really like the idea of experiential learning, hands-on learning. Uh, in my generation, it was like, you know, pay your dues, you know, 
go to school, get a job, work for 20 years, get promoted and get a gold watch and retire. Well, you know, <laughs> next this generation, the, the millennials, the Zs, they're not going to do that. And, um, and, 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 and they also see because of technology and access to peers around the world, they see how some folks are making, getting money, they're getting paid, or they're finding, they're pursuing their life dreams just by having access to technology. So uh, I think the recommendation is personalized learning, which is taking hold in other countries faster than here. And I think that's the big reason why many other countries are doing better ed educationally, is all about sort of those who are in the power structure, the power centers of America, we almost have to divorce ourselves from ourselves. I mean, we have to, we have to, you know, get unstuck in terms of our over adherence to a structure that was put in place during the Industrial Revolution. Uh, the classrooms of most brick and mortar schools in America today are almost identical to the classrooms in the 1880s and 1890s in America yesterday. And I think the biggest thing we have to go through, Sarah, is our own sort of mind shift, because today's students are not going to thrive with the exact identical uh, classroom setting that existed when their great great grandparents were in school. You know, I, I use this example that chances are if your great great grandparents went to school in the 1890s or 1900s, 1910, they took algebra in the ninth grade. Most brick and mortar settings, most school districts require algebra today in the ninth grade. What's wrong with a kid who's talented and gifted taking algebra in the sixth grade or the seventh grade, or a kid who's a little bit behind taking the eleventh grade? When you when you have a personalized program that's tailored to the needs of kids, as opposed to having a system that forces kids to be tailored to the system's needs, then that's where the challenge comes in with today's generation. So the biggest recommendation I could make is for people to be kind of educated about education today and about what kids are in, what their interests are and what, and listen to them because they are, are better teachers in terms of what practices we should employ. The other thing I would say quickly is that we need to depoliticize the notion of, of education in America. Uh, I, you know, in speeches I say this, Sarah, there's no Republican or Democratic way to teach a kid how to read, write, or count. And I think that, you know, in education, we've drawn these either-or lines that, you know, lines in the sand. There's a Republican education plan, there's a Democrat ed education plan in every state house in America, in Congress. Uh, and, you know, we, we miss the fact that those plans are guided first by the politics of the day and not the needs of children. And uh, that's why I'm big on student-centered accountability. That's why I'm big on personalized learning. That's why I'm big on when it comes to education for all, it really begins with education for one, you know, this one kid. And we can't have policy in place uh, that ignores that fact and is thinking about a political picture as opposed to individual children. You are listening to EduMatch. If you want to be somebody, 
If you wanna go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. It's either now or never to make your dreams come true. You better wake up and pay attention. Hey, everybody, it's Dean from Orlando, Florida, coming to you on Monday, April 2nd, 2018. And I am very excited because today is the official release date of my first solo book titled The Why in You. Journey to the Why in You. I'm very excited that this is available on Amazon in Kindle versions and in paperback. There's your back cover right there. I am so excited because when I think about my journey as an educator, it didn't start yesterday. It started even from an early age. And so this book contains anecdotes, stories about the why in me. And so as you read it, as you pick it up, and I encourage you to do so, I challenge you to consider the why in you, the obstacles, right? That were not always positive. They were not always easy. The journey's never easy, but it is worth it. And there is something positive in every negative if you, if you can just see it. I really do believe that. There is something positive in every obstacle that if you could just see it, it will help you to continue going on that journey as an educator, as an administrator, as a teacher. Um, and so we have a job to do. And, um, and so that journey is so important to be embraced. And thank you in advance for checking it out on Amazon. Again, it's the why in you. You can even type my name in on Amazon. It should pop it right up. You can also go to deanganey.com and find it there. Uh, you can click directly on the link and it'll take you to Amazon. Again, thanks in advance for checking it out and have a great day as well as identify the why in you. Thank you for learning and growing with EduMatch. What would you say would be the role of personalized learning in online schools? And do you have any examples of programs that might do a good job at this? Well, one of the things that uh, I've seen uh, is with some of our kids who are behind, um, how uh, through gamification, um, you know, using badges and coins, it's a, it's a really good way to stimulate kids who didn't get that positive reinforcement when they felt, you know, sort of lost or when they were drowning in a classroom of kids that they, they may feel were ahead of them and they were a little intimidated. And we've seen, I've sat in with our teachers on what we call these class connect sessions. So you have a computer and they group kids together and you have five or six kids in one session and and the teacher is working with them and five or six in another, and then the kids can raise their hand and participate. Well, I've seen how kids thrive in those class connect sessions. Uh, one of the things that we do in, 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 in some of our schools that have had a number of kids who come from challenged backgrounds who are behind is they do the reteach where they get these kids, uh, they may not do as well, uh, they put them in these class connect sessions and group them with some of the peers, some of their peers who may have done better. So you see the kids sort of helping to teach the kids and then they, they do the reteaching, they take the tests over and they do well. When you talk about personalized learning, these practices, you know, on their face suggest there's not an end all or be all when you don't do well on the test. It's all about continued engagement. 
continue to work with your peers, you know, continue a reinforcement. And over time, the confidence level grows. So I think that, uh, you know, the best of our programs and not just us, but all these online providers in, in various parts of the country, they're able to hone in on that in a way that sometimes is lost or doesn't have the same impact when kids feel like they're in a classroom and they can't express themselves. We feel that we get almost more participation by kids who you know, are in the comfort of their own home or their learning environment, and they can raise their hand, push a button on a computer, raise their hand, they can ask a question, but they won't feel stigmatized or isolated or someone gives them an eye roll or they start teasing them or whispering about them. You know, a lot of these kids have been through some bullying and, and, and have had some safety challenges, but it's almost like they can thrive in the comfort level or an environment that works for them. Uh, last thing I say on this, Sarah, it's real important. You know, that's why I say we gotta listen to the kids. Um, you know, of all the crazy stuff, the shootings and stuff, we get a lot of calls from these families all over the country. You know, every time there's an incident in school, and I think for many of uh, many Americans who haven't experienced that stuff, I don't know they fully appreciate some of the fear that, and 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 just the, the scared nature that of some of the families that have to go through it. You know, I've, as I said, I've listened to those calls, and um, to 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 have a safe haven for kids, at least to have an option different than what they may be used to, or what may be the source of some of their fear, I think it's an important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. That is so, so true. You are listening to Edumatch. Hello, my name is Mandy Freilich, and my book, The Fire Within, is currently available on Amazon. The Fire Within is a book of uh, stories by educators who have gone through personal and professional adversities and who have come through stronger on the other side. They use their superpowers that they gained with their students in order to be better educators. If this sounds like stories of superheroes, you are absolutely right. There's also a chapter on trauma and how it affects the brain and a chapter covering post-traumatic growth and secondary traumatic stress and how it affects educators in their job. So if you are interested in The Fire Within, you can find it right now on Amazon by searching The Fire Within Lessons from Defeat that have ignited a passion for learning. Thank you. Thank you for learning and growing with EduMatch. What is on the horizon for you and for K-12 Inc. Uh, this upcoming school year? What do y'all have uh, planned for the rest of 2018 and beyond? Well, I have ambitious plans. Um, and it's grounded in this core belief that all kids can learn. Um, we get a lot of kids who uh, have had challenges in other other environments, and I am impressing upon our folks. And we have a lot of good people on the ground in nearly 35, 36 states um, that all kids can learn. If you believe all kids can learn, then you also believe and understand that you have to put high expectations on these kids. 
because kids rise and fall based on the expectations you place on them. And if you believe in the power of high expectations on kids, then you have to put high expectations on yourself. So one of the challenges I've just issued to our team is we need to put higher expectations on ourselves. You know, uh, we need to do better in terms of our academic performance. So we're going to do something that, you know, most school districts won't do, most schools don't do, is we're going to link uh, our, our teacher effectiveness to student outcomes. And that means we're going to uh, make sure that as we look at the way students do on the state assessments, we're going to group them according to the teachers they serve, and we're going to work with teachers to make sure that we better align teachers' credentials with the, the subjects they're teaching in the classroom, and that we provide the professional development necessary. Now, I'm real excited, Sarah, about the fact that we've partnered with Southern New Hampshire University. Uh, they're uh, one of the largest online uh, college providers in the country. Uh, and, and we're working with them to create the first of its kind master's in virtual education teacher for our teachers. Uh, they've looked at hundreds of hours of tape of our teachers. They've met with several of our teachers and students. And we are building a profile of what an effective teacher looks like in a virtual space. We're going to do uh, offer master's programs for our teachers as well as credentialing and micro-credentialing, professional development. I mean, I, I want to make sure that our students and our families get the benefit of the best teachers we can place in front of them. And by the same token, for our teachers, some of, many of whom come from brick and mortar environments, we want to make sure that they take advantage of the technology and that we maximize on their efficiencies and their effectiveness by giving them the additional professional development that they deserve. So we're doing all that this year with a goal toward as we as we go through the year to assess where we are, make adjustments, uh, and, and we're gonna start really drilling down on, on making sure that our students grow. And the last thing I'll say on that, so if you think about the student growth and student-centered accountability, it isn't, as I said, the just the proficiency level above or below the line is important. It's really understanding where a kid is. So let's say a kid's at negative 17, then our folks want to put them on a path to get to negative 12, negative, negative 5, negative 1, plus 4, plus 10, proficient, whatever. And and to do that, then we need to make sure we're we're monitoring them, we're following them, we're working with them every step of the way. We don't want to leave anything to chance because if if we don't if we're not disciplined, our teachers and our school leaders, if we're not disciplined in monitoring where these kids are, then they can get disaffected, they can drop out, uh, and they can't progress. And so that's all, all that stuff we're doing this year is part and parcel of, of overall design to demonstrate that, yeah, all kids can learn, but we need to make sure they learn at their own pace and we want to help them get there. I love that. I love that. So I want to give a huge shout out to Valerie, who is uh, tuning in live. And she said that you dropped some jewels and that high expectations are a must. Everything rises and falls on leadership. We uh, must build teachers capacity to maximize outcomes. Love that. Love that. Okay. So, so this has been such such an amazing interview. Um, I, I really loved hearing um, your perspective as well as all of the great work that you all are doing. So how can people get in touch with you and with K-12 
um, online? Well, www.k12inc.com. Uh, K12.com. I'm sorry. K12.com. K12.com. That's how you get to us. If you log on, you will see our website. There's also a phone number there. Uh, and you can call us. You can uh, punch us in and we'll respond. Uh, we're eager to field calls from the public generally about what's going on in the virtual world and to help you enroll your child. Well, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And uh, also, thank you to everybody who's checking this out. Thank you to Valerie for being here. Thank you to everyone who's going to catch us on the podcast or on the replay or on the Facebook live premiere or Facebook premiere. It's YouTube live. We're on YouTube live, but we're going to have it um, also premiere on Facebook. So awesome. So thank you, Kevin, for taking the time out to chat with us. Thank and you so um, much. I appreciate you. Well, thank you. Feeling is mutual. Definitely appreciate you and would love to have you back on at some point. So. All right. Keep smiling. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll do. We'll do. And I, I just wanted to remind all of our viewers and listeners that we're going to take a little bit of time off, but we will be back on September 16th for Tweet and Talk Game-Based Learning with Matthew Farber. So definitely check us out 6 p.m. Eastern time. So everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week and uh, chat with y'all later. Edge match. Edge match. It's edge match. You're an edge match.